0: Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast.
1: Welcome to another episode of Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom, and think. I'm Andrew Davidson, SVP and Chief Insights Officer for Mintel Compare Media, based in New York. And in today's episode, we'll be discussing an emerging global trend in credit that some have suggested that due to the COVID-19 crisis is the right product at the right time and that is Buy Now, Pay Later uh, otherwise known as BNPL So joining me to assess this trend, I've got two of our experts in this space, Dr. Mark Miller in Chicago and Tom Slide in London. Welcome to the pod. Hi. Good
0: morning. Hello. Uh,
1: So before we get started and before we dig into this, let's do some quick introductions. If you could just uh, briefly say, you know, your role and your background, how long you've been at Mintel.
0: Great. So uh I'm Mark Miller, uh, Associate Director of Insights for Financial Services. I've uh, been with Mintel for about two years, uh focused mostly on credit cards, lending, and uh general payments landscape in both the US and Canada. And uh along with Andrew, I'm representing the Comper Media brand uh at Mintel, which delivers uh omnichannel marketing data and insights across uh banking products and actually beyond banking to a few other industries as well.
2: Hi, I'm uh, Thomas Slide. I'm um, from the the London office. I've been with Mintel for just over five years. Uh, I'm a senior financial services analyst working on the reports team. Um, I've written across both retail and finance, but at the moment I write mostly about finance and payments. Recently, I've written reports um, on topics such as retail payment options, and I'm currently just finishing a report on uh, consumer attitudes towards debt, so right up to date on this.
1: Interesting. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. All right. So, well, Australian company Afterpay which is one of the pioneers in the buy now, pay later space, just recently put out a press release, actually mid-May, announced that they'd reached a milestone of some 5 million customers in the US. uh, Plus about, you know, they already have about 3 million in Australia, nearly a million in the UK, where it's known as ClearPay. Chinese uh, giant Tencent has invested in Afterpay. Stock prices through the roof uh, during COVID. And in general, BNPL has been described as a craze, uh, a trend gripping millennials. I mean, we're basically seeing it emerge all over the world. What's going on? Um,
2: yeah, well, it's absolutely. It's, it's becoming a huge trend here in the UK. We've got, um, I think, Klarna is is by far the biggest. Um, we do have um, Afterpay, which in this, which over here is called Clearpay, but only la- launched in June of, of last year. Um, we also have a company called Layby, which I think is from New Zealand, which are launched earlier in 2019. And a few other smaller players. We've got people like Paylater Later and, and Zip, um, but they all remain fairly small and, and really under the. The heel of Klarna um, here, which is becoming far more far more popular. I think what's interesting what you mentioned is how it become almost cult like amongst uh, millennials and, and younger and younger people, um, and that's largely based on the, the, the targeting. Their advertising is very heavily targeted at the sort of under thirty five age ranges, um, and we've seen lots of partnerships with sort of big. Um, hitting TV shows things like Love Island and Killing Eve here which has really helped drive their uh, awareness and um, and helped drive people onto to online retailers in particular and um, I think I just wanted to pull out one stat from our research from some of our fashion research recently which showed that um, it's a fifth so 19% of under 25s actually say that um, finance options is one of the key drivers in choosing where, where to shop which I think just shows how important that is especially for some of the younger retailers here like Boohoo, ASOS um, and the like who are really, um, really is becoming really important to their business model.
0: Yeah, and in in the U.S., uh, it's it's a pretty rapidly growing space as well. There's a lot of there's a lot of third party kind of standalone options as well as a lot of the uh, established financial brands that are getting into the space. Um, you know what I probably call the big three in the U.S. right now are Affirm, uh, which was founded by by Max Levchin, who who happened to also uh, be a co founder of a little company called PayPal, uh, and then Afterpay, which uh, Tom mentioned, as well as Klarna, uh, both also having pretty low Large presence in the U.S., but you know, outside of those three, the list really continues. So there's Bread, Cezil, Uplift, Quad Pay, which is which is powered by the Stripe network, and uh, and Split It, which which also recently announced partnerships with both Visa and Mastercard. So some big names out there, a lot of players. Um, most of these do work on that partner relationship model where financing is available with participating retailers, but uh, there are companies like Affirm, Klarna, and Quad Pay that are also issuing virtual Visa cards uh, within the app. So you can even put some of those in your mobile wallet and then make purchases in store anywhere that, that visa is accepted. So that's a pretty significant development that even moves it outside of just online shopping. Um, a firm about, I think early last year announced a partnership with Walmart, which, you know, of course is a, a huge brand partnership when you're thinking about retail and payments. So bring it into the physical store. So, you know, that's kind of the, the third party options, but you know I mentioned the traditional financial brands as well. So we're seeing, uh, another big piece in the U.S. and, and in Canada as well now uh, with uh, credit card companies offering installment financing options uh, on the card. So American Express kind of pi- uh, pioneered this uh, a few years ago with the Planet features, which lets you take existing purchases and convert them into uh, fixed installment plans. Uh, and then over the last year or two, Chase and City rolled out similar plans in the U.S. Um, CIBC rolled out a plan in Canada uh, Amazon, the Amazon Prime Rewards card also offers equal interest-free payments on purchases. So a firm is partnering with Walmart, but then Amazon also has an option in-house with their credit card.
1: Well, I deep breath. I mean, it's like, you know, it's a hot space. I mean, there's so many names that are you, you, you're both sort of throwing out there. You know, some have been around a while, some are, some are newer, sort of more fintech uh, startups. You know, I, I guess a critic or a cynic looking on m- might say, well, okay, this is, you know, obviously this is, eh, there's a lot of buzz around this, but it maybe it's not really new. I mean, we've had similar types of, you know, financing in the past. It's not really innovative. I mean, you think about a credit card, the basic premise is that you're buying and you're paying later. Um, so wh- what do you think? Um, yeah, I, I think that's very true. I think it's
2: it, it, clearly buy now, pay later isn't um, in itself a new idea. I think it's been around in retail for, for many um, for many years. Um, but I think that there is a difference in these new schemes from the old kind of traditional buy now, pay later and, and this this new kind of style. I think what makes it different um, is is the way the products are marketed and the, the sort of underlying business model is slightly different, I think. Here. Um, traditional buy now, pay later is all about enabling customers to sort of spread the cost, It was about overcoming a barrier of affordability. So it'd be for buying big purchases. It was very big in uh, furniture retailers and electrical goods and expensive items that you, you kind of have to spread the cost of. So it was instead of saving up for them. And I think the new Buy Now, Pay Later products are different. In fact, they're targeted to a large degree, they're not entirely towards lower value purchases. We've seen them become really popular in partnership with fashion retailers, for example, where purchase the, the sort of basket size is much smaller, but much more frequent. And that wasn't how traditionally Buy Now, Pay Later was was used. Um, and also, it's kind of turned on its head. Traditionally, Buy Now, Pay Later would either charge interest to the customer or there'd be an interest-free period, in which case they would largely earn their money from... Kind of fees and late fees, or from just increasing the the upfront price of the product to start with if you're a retailer, and so building it into that first price. The new product is different in the fact that with the retailer partnerships, it's the retail effectively pays commission um to 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 Klana or or, or Klibber, whoever it is. And then so effectively the retail that, and then the customer gets it interest free and often they, they pitch themselves as having no late fees and no kind of comeback on your credit rating and things like that, which, which has confused a lot of people about how they work because they are so different from the from the old models. And that gives them quite a strong kind of marketing message to consumers about obviously being interest free and being effective be much more risk free than traditionally credit was um, yeah. compared to the old ones
1: I was going to say a lot, a lot of what you know I'm seeing in some of the messaging is around the experience like you say it's about the speed the, the experience and yeah I know you said that you you've tried tried klarna how is that I
2: yes I've tried klarna partly just just on a, on a professional basis I like to test these things out so I tried all sorts of things but I tried klarna because it's quite it's quite different from a lot of other ways working and so you have to, to really understand things like Klarna. You have to kind of use them and use the app because they're not just about credit. They're not just this isn't just a new way of borrowing money. You know, Klarna is originally a sort of B two B payments provider, and it's built mm. out from that to then start having a kind of to consumer angle to it. Um, but the you know the, the app is a, is a Betsy designed as a portal to shopping. It's designed entirely around how e-commerce works, how shopping is now done. It's been built in the kind of e-commerce age. and yeah. um, it's designed ready for social shopping and, and and things like that. And so the app pulls together it's not just a way of getting credit, it's a way of looking for offers, looking for deals browsing and you can manage your orders manage your returns manage you know all sorts of different offers all in one place and so um it's interesting because i know a few weeks ago you did a did a recording about frictionless retail on a on a podcast i think Um, and i think really plans and these products are designed to to fit Mm -hmm. into that a lot of what was discussed in, in that podcast about how retail is becoming much more frictionless and there's all these different kind of um different ways of checkout and 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 these kind of digital credit Products sit in that kind of ecosystem much yeah. better in a way that credit cards kind of struggle to, to, to fit into, I think.
1: I mean, and I think that having that, having that ability to offer discounts via the app, I mean, that to me, is, it seems extremely powerful and, um, for consumers. And
0: another thing I'd point out just from, you know, the difference, like like Tom and Andrew both said, it's it's not really new. Um, I've always kind of viewed buy now, pay later as, as kind of a reverse layaway option. So in your traditional yeah. layaway models, you'd make payments over time and then once you made all the payments, then you receive the item. But uh, this is a, a version where you kind of meet the need for the more kind of modern millennial, probably Gen Z need for instant gratification. So you get your goods right away and then you pay it over time. As it's most convenient, so that's a big kind of differentiator of what we've seen in the past from from these sort of financing models. Of course, as Tom said, you've also you're also seeing much smaller smaller types of purchases. Uh, you're seeing shorter term with no fees, uh, and then of course there is that kind of social element to it, which I think is a is a big differentiating point. It kind of uh, uh, you know look at the marketing for Klarna, for example, and and just how everyone's engaging with the app. It's a completely different experience that and what you're used to
1: very different. So, so winners and losers, who do you think, who, who, who are the winners and losers from this trend?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it's easy to to look at this as, as a new way to pay and therefore it has to be a competitor to, to the old ways to pay. Um, but but that's not necessarily the case. Um, I mean, we we do see, I'll throw some other, some other Mintel consumer data out here. So, uh, you know, we have a, a survey that shows between 35 to 40% of 18 to 44 year olds uh, would prefer to use a buy now, pay later option over for a credit card when shopping online. So when you look at that, you're thinking, oh geez, if I'm if I'm issuing credit cards, you know, what does that mean for me? But but buy now pay later, I think, can also be complementary to, to credit and debit cards. So even if your initial transaction is, is through that through a, a buy now pay later option, um, you know, the customer is still making those payments from, from their bank account or from their credit card. Um, of course, if, if the customer uses the buy now pay later option uh, and then decides they don't ever need a credit card, you know, that's that's a big threat to the industry. But if they end up using yes. that card to pay yeah. the installments, you know, then it's the complementary relationship. And of course, you know, the credit card issuers now are, as I mentioned earlier, creating their own type of installment plans uh, on existing purchases, um, which can kind of help customers remain within that ecosystem. And, you know, so in that in that sense, the disruption is forcing credit card issuers to adapt and potentially moving a little bit further away from revolving balances and variable APRs, which, which which overall, yeah. I think is a good thing.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, you hit on a couple of great points there. And I was I was thinking, I, we're going to talk in a minute about, you know, the impacts on the consumer. So my, so I think about this, about winners, I mean, I think about, so innovation being the winner, it's like, to your point, Mark, you know, the response from the industry has been to develop and create um, other new types of financing products. So I think innovation is, is the broader winner, and we'll talk about the consumer in a minute. Um, but, I, I, but you're right. I think when I've spoken to the about this topic, this trend to our sort of uh, US credit card clients, they certainly see this as a threat. They certainly see it as a threat, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a threat. Um, to your point, and I think you know, I mean, when we go back and you think about so how this started to unfold in the US, and of course initially it was in the retail space, and now there's Starting to attack, you know the, the the travel space. So you know those partnerships with a firm and Delta or Goldman and JetBlue or Canada and up uh, uh, in Canada, you got Uplift and Porter. You know you, the, you, a couple of those partnerships you've mentioned. So nibbling away at the same sort of piece of the pie, as it were. But it is at the moment still sort of on the on the edges in terms of impacting, I think, traditional credit card issuers' business. I, d- I did see one uh, new marketing campaign out of Australia, which sort of. Uh, um, sort of made me sort of sit up and take notes and that was Afterpay uh, partnering with Qantas Airways um, out of Australia and offering an incentive of points uh, for when you make your first purchase with Afterpay. We haven't yet seen that in the US so it'd be interesting if they do sort of to, to start to build in miles and points and rewards you know that really sort of takes it up um you know, to a new level.
0: Yeah, I think that could that could be a bit of a game changer if we yeah. start to see the really strong rewards associated with some of these standalone products, then you 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 take another step into that competitive mix.
1: Yeah. But I, I, and I and I but I I think I agree with your point is that it doesn't have to be a direct threat. And I think that's all about this sort of adopting this sort of ecosystem mindset, looking for new ways to partner with companies, collaborate with companies, build new products that, you know, like you mentioned, Mark, Um, it's a different way of thinking. What about you, Tom? Winners and losers? Yeah, I think
2: uh, there's some interesting points. And I just, just before I move on to my points, I think that there's some interesting ideas there around the competition space. And I think you're right. I think they, there's, there's a lot of scope here for them to sit side by side in a a quite kind of complementary way. I would say though, that the risk is like you say is getting so the, the biggest kind of friction point mm-hmm. of, of any of these payment schemes is signing up originally. It's the same you know when when you first sign up to Klarna or you first sign up to Afterpay or you first sign up to you know a Barclay card or your credit card. There's always that first hurdle. But once you've signed up to it, that's then often the easiest way to pay. And people have already got those credit cards. That will be fine, and they'll use both interchange depending on where the best offers are. So it's less yeah. competition. I think what we've seen in our it, what I've seen in the research is that. It's actually those people coming through, those youngest age groups, who actually, once they've signed up to a scheme, the question is then whether, you know, if if I'm a sort of nineteen, twenty year old and I've signed up to Clana and I'm using that well and, and that I'm using that to delay my payments, actually, where's the benefit of me then? signing up to a credit card yeah. and going through that process that's interesting because you made me
1: think about you know we use this term in the us and i'm sure you do in the uk about sort of being the default card right the default card you know, it's the default way to pay right it's broadening yeah. that whole idea of what the default is in wallets in apps online etc
0: and I, and I think we, we did mention, you know, I mentioned rewards a minute ago, if you have those linked to it, but you can also look at, I think, from kind of Tom's model he's describing is if you can get a, a rewards debit debit card or get invested into one of the kind of online banking ecosystems where you can earn rewards. And then when you need a little bit of a credit facility, you turn to one of these other third party uh, financing options.
2: Mm. And interesting. Actually, I saw just earlier that, that, um, that again, Klaner has just launched Vibe, I think, in the US, uh, which is its own um, kind of uh, system where you get points and loyalties points so the more you more you spend the more points and rewards you get so it is again building into that kind of building up that kind of product there which is going to be far more kind of competitive I think. Um, the other point I wanted to make was about retailers so I think certainly here in the UK it's been really driven by a lot of retailers because I mean we know that the, the difficulties of the retail sector in recent years particularly the fashion sector has really struggled to kind of drive sales up and I think it's been seen as a, a real opportunity to to drive additional sales here um, and it's quite a distinguishing factor for some of those and so in the, in the kind of first part of this and probably still in this process where they're kind of winners of this, they're driving sales, getting spending encouraging people to bring forward that spending. The question is whether that will be maintained, because we're now getting to the point where you know pretty much all of the kind of fashion readers, particularly the young fashion readers, now offer this product in one of its what you know, one of the various players now offer this. Um, and therefore is there any distinguishing benefit for them anymore or are they just paying this commission for their customers to borrow money effectively and that's, you know, it further eating into their profit margins and, and, and that's going to prove a difficult one in the future. And yeah. um, so that, that's one that starts off being a winner, but long term, you know, we'll have to see how that
1: one pans out. What do you think? What about Amazon in the mix here? What do, how do you think this impacts Amazon, Tom?
2: Um, I mean, Amazon at the moment don't do it. Interestingly, Amazon here on Prime, um, I, I assume it's probably the same in the US, but now give you the option to split payments um, effectively through Amazon Pay. Um, so it's something which, again, in terms of innovation, you see that once that kind of customer expectation has been laid down, you see a lot of other players adopting that model. Um, and it's becoming much more the kind of default option, or not the default option for customers, but it, it's kind of table stakes for retailers that you have to kind of offer this. Uh, and so Amazon's now offering that as well to keep itself up to speed with all the rest.
1: And do you think Amazon would see this as a threat? I mean, I you know, I'm assuming, you know, I'm assuming that it would, right? Like, you know, if you want to, you want to shop at it, you know, it's taking retailers to a different platform, uh, whether you're, if you're shopping in the Klarna app, then you're not shopping on Amazon. So
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's slightly different in the, in the fact that You know, I think that the the, the planner app is kind of a portal for other retailers. I'm not sure if it's largely a direct competitor to Amazon, largely because it's all been historically based in, up until now, it's largely around fashion. And and I mean, Amazon, although it has its fashion pages, isn't its main, you know, I think the customers it's targeting, those kind of millennial fashion focused, um, millennials aren't really going to shop for fashion on Amazon very much. I don't, at the moment, I don't think, I don't see there's a huge kind of overlap there. So Maybe there will be.
0: You know, one of the areas where you might see some competition to to Amazon, at least in the U.S., is with uh, Shopify. Now, Shopify just recently announced that they are going to be rolling out installment financing options with the uh, with the retailers through their through their portal. So that is, you know, and I think Shopify has also par- announced a partnership with with Facebook Marketplace um, as they try to expand into more e-commerce. So, uh, from that perspective, you know, Amazon could be threatened by the growth of, of this by now later space. Yeah,
1: it's interesting. It's interesting, isn't it? So let's go on and talk about the consumer. Uh, You know, we're Mintel. We know what consumers want and why. Um, What do you think? uh, Is this good for the consumer?
2: Uh, I think that that is a very tough question to answer, um, in all honesty. I think, um, uh, first of all, in theory, I think... (laughs) You know, it makes things easy to shop, it makes it easy to shop online, it is very easy to use largely once you've set it up. it helps customers manage their their cash flow, allows them to spread payments, increases customer choice, um, and all of those things obviously on the face of it good for for, for consumers. Um, and obviously the fact that they don't have to pay interest is also a benefit and that's driving innovation in, in other areas in terms of as Mar mentioned in terms of credit cards and other players having to, to match this kind of flexibility around around credit products. And that's great for consumers. Mm-hmm. However, I think it's always a difficulty in saying it's good for consumers when you're talking about making credit more freely and, and easily available. Um, it largely assumes strong money management skills. And if you have strong management skills and discipline, then you don't spend more than you can afford. And absolutely, it's a great option. But the problem is we see from our research that you know young people do struggle to... to to kind of balance short and long-term financial um, implications and especially when the marketing for a lot of these brands is so heavily based on kind of fear of missing out shot now, get it where you can kind of yeah I, and, saw, and that,
1: I saw I was seeing some marketing I think it was Sezzle. Uh apologies Sezzle if I get it wrong if I got that wrong but I think it was Cecil and it was basically flex now pay later and I was thinking I'm not sure if I want my two teenagers to get that yeah let's flex now and then pay later I'm not sure that's the a prudent message of fiscal responsibility that I want my teenagers to uh, to adopt, but go and carry on. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and that's the thing. In terms of the lesson, and it's the the, the, tar- the demographics this is targeting, it means that it's come up against quite a lot of um, backlash here in the, the UK. And I think, incidentally, what again, one of the points of difference that I didn't mention earlier with, in the UK with this kind of product is that it's effectively, be careful how I put this, but it's effectively not regulated because it falls outside of the, the regulation of the Financial Conduct Authority here. Um, now, interestingly, over the past year or so, Buy now, pay later has become a real focus of the Financial Conduct Authority and they've really clamped down on the traditional buy now, pay later schemes. But because these are not, don't charge interest, they fall outside of its remit. And so there's there's very little, um, you know, they, they have much less regulation around what they can and can't say, how they pitch it, how they explain it in a way that other credit products can't do. And there's been a lot of kind of backlash and discussion around around that here. So um, I think it's hard to say it's necessarily good for the consumer. There are certainly lots of good things about it for consumers, but there's definitely a risk to consumers as there is with any kind of new credit product, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think in general, uh, giving consumers more payment options is a good thing, um, especially when the terms are transparent and easy to understand. And, and that transparency is a, key, is a key element to the success of Buy Now, Pay Later. Um, I think if we look back to the, go back to the question of, is this new or go back to the question of, uh, you know, where, what are the competitive threats here? If you, if you kind of place this model alongside a, you know, deferred interest financing uh, where, you know, you can make a purchase and and pay no interest for, you know, 12 months, but then on that 13th month, if you still have a balance, you're going back in retroactive retroactively paying a high amount of interest on everything, you know, this does stand as a much better option for consumers. Uh, but we still need to be very careful uh, because buying now and paying later is a form of debt accrual and personal debt levels are at an all time high in the US. Uh, so anytime we add to that amount, it should be of a concern. I think it is a, a good point that um, you know, these are these do tend to be smaller dollar amounts, uh, but still, if you're stacking that one on top of the other, and as Tom mentioned, you know, younger consumers in particular sometimes struggle a little bit more with with money management. You know, they could end up being being buried, you know, relatively. Deeply, and even though you're not paying, you know, high interest rates, or sometimes you're not paying any interest, or your fees are, are pretty moderate, um, you know, it's debt is still debt. Um, you know, another thing I want to point out here from the consumer perspective is about you know building credit, and these are not these do not tend to be credit building products. So when we're thinking about young consumers and and as they're trying to establish credit uh, to to get more attractive financial products in the future, um, you know, they can get a credit card, they can get a secured credit card as they make payments, it's going to improve their credit profile. Um, Most of these options, at least in the U.S., are not performing a hard credit check at the point of application, which can be a good thing, but at the same time, they are reporting missed payments to the bureaus. Uh, So again, these, these options aren't gonna help you establish credit, uh, but they do have the potential to harm your score.
1: Yeah and that's an excellent point about credit and I I just bring in a you know, sort of a, a sort of marketing angle so sort of builds off what you really what you're both saying and the you know with we've, we've seen so much innovation of course we're seeing the response to buy now pay later is new and different types of financing products but of course that means there's a whole slew of different types of financing options available for consumers which yes it's a good thing you know but on the other hand it can also be confusing so whether it's a balance transfer or a personal loan or it's a credit card it's a secured card, or whatever type of financing option that's out there, you know, these are, you know, need explaining and uh, consumers need to understand, which is the, going back to your point, Tom, about planning, and you know, they need to understand which is the best product for them. Uh, and so it becomes a marketing challenge, uh, which I guess ties into what you were saying, Mark, about transparency. Um, excellent. All right. Well, that was the consumer. Um, I did want to ask you both so we're going through this obviously this tremendous sort of economic upheaval uh, recessions around the world um it's particularly where you know where these BMPL products are taking off like the us uk canada australia and you know a lot of the sort of narrative around buy now pay later is that it's the right product for the right time um what
0: are, you, what are your thoughts on that I think it certainly aligns with with the increase in online shopping that we've been seeing as a result of COVID-19. And and again, you know, as we've kind of repeated, could be a cheaper and more accessible financing option, especially uh, for those making smaller purchases. Um, We have seen, um, especially from the the credit card side, um, you know, American Express, for example, kind of promoting, you know, their planning, their planet option as a tool for more essential type purchases or recurring purchases. So you know, adapting the marketing, adapting the product to fit the current state. Um, I think more generally though, uh, there is some concern with the operating models and profitability and and, and overall balance sheets of some of these providers. It's, it's, is still a relatively new space. I'm referring now, of course, to the third party buy now, pay later options. Um, and, And it hasn't been fully tested in an economic downturn. So we talked about, you know, uh, rising debt levels, people, you know, needing to find mm. some new source of credit. Uh, you know, the, the credit worthiness tests aren't as, as, as stringent. You know, if you're not doing a hard credit check, sure. you know, more people are getting access to this credit. So just like any type of unsecured debt product, there's a risk that uh, um, these sort of payments are, are not going to be prioritized in the same way as, as things like food, rent, and utilities. So there is, there is some risk uh, with, with the overall operating model. Uh, if they'll be able to survive uh, as the economy continues to to trend in the wrong direction. Mm.
2: Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with, with 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 all of that. I think um, we're seeing it, it, it boom at the moment because, as we mentioned, it's been you know these products are built around e-commerce, and and now we've seen this huge growth in e-commerce because of lockdowns and and. And everything else and so yeah, was, they're doing quite well in that respect and I think also certainly here early on there was a lot of talk of kind of a v-shaped recovery where it was going to all go down and then go straight back to how it was and uh, um, afterwards and for, for you know even people who are good with money management that made a lot of sense to say all right I'm in this country furloughed so my, my pays a bit but perhaps I'll get this and I can pay it in 90 days when everyone's telling me the world I've gone back to normal again Um, and I mean now it's looking less and less likely that we're going to go straight back to to normal again and have a much slower Mm. kind of recovery and have more of a downturn and certainly towards the the end of this year in in the UK we have the furlough system where a lot of people are on 80% pay and being paid by the government rather than working and that's overwhelmingly also younger people are most likely to be affected by that and so what happens when we get to the end of that and if we see an uplift Mm. in um, kind of unemployment amongst that kind of the core age range that's going to be like Mark says a real test of these products um, yeah. to see how they and that's
1: do. coming in October right October it's going to end in it. October
2: yeah unless they extend it which yeah. so they're not going to so it's due to due to end in October and um, it'll be really interesting to see how that pans out one thing I would just just add to that which is interesting which is again slightly different is that a lot of these companies stress that they because they're smaller value loans effectively um, they sort of say they see it as they can kind of write off, have more resilience in that fact and the sort of if there were sort of traditional binal out palates would have sort of larger loans which would go south, whereas these are kind of lots of smaller loans, so they can't kind of. Bear that out a little bit better. But like I say, it's been untested, so we shall see.
1: Yeah. And I, I'll just add that, you know, yes, untested. And obviously, the fate of these companies is heavily tied to their retail partners and how they're performing. But the um, I think it's a resounding yes in terms of the right product, right time. Also, because, you know, a lot of the, the banks have been uh, have gone quiet in terms of marketing, trying to figure out what next, what make, what to do in terms of acquisition and that sort of thing. And so there's an opportunity to fill the gap. And these companies, that's all they do, right? That, that's all they do. So they're going to have to fight to survive and fight to get their message out there. So there's an opportunity for them to to, to fill that void.
2: I think a lot of them are still, based, they still have a lot of investor funding. So, I mean, unlike, you know... yeah. You know, If you look at someone like Planner, it still attracts huge amounts of investment for the long term. And it's got big investors like H&M and Snoop Dogg, I think, as an investor, all these strange yep. people to throw money into it because they can see the long-term potential. So I think what you'll find is if, if any of them do struggle to get through the period, it's going to be probably the, the smaller, more niche ones. It might consolidate yeah. the market a bit. I wouldn't have thought you'll see the the model disappear by any stretch of the imagination yeah.
0: yeah and I think I think that fits Andrew as we've discussed in other forums kind of you know a big prediction for what's going to happen is, is consolidation in the industry especially amongst fintechs you know there's so many players out there um, and, and in this type of economic situation it's hard to imagine you know so many of them surviving so I think there will be some consolidation I think mm-hmm. like Tom said some of the biggest names that we've discussed are probably going to, to have the longevity but some of these other can kind of more niche players, uh, more newcomers might might struggle uh, coming into the situation potentially at the wrong time.
1: Great, great, great points. All right, so I think we come to the end of our time. I just, what I want to ask one sort of final question is just to get your uh, prediction on a, a buy now, pay later brand to watch and why. For our listeners, this isn't these are not stock picks, uh, but uh, just um, who do you think you know? Who, who do you think we should be paying attention to um, in
0: the coming months? What are your thoughts? Well, mine's definitely not a stock pick, um, so I'm, I'm going to go a little bit outside the box here and say Goldman Sachs. Uh, so, so 10 yeah, I mean, ten yeah, ten years ago, it, it might have sounded crazy to say, uh, hey, look to Goldman Sachs for retail banking disruption. Uh, but, right. but they've made uh, you know, a lot of large strides in a in a very short period of time. So, uh, in addition to the Apple Card, which of course uh, Goldman Sachs is is the issuer behind the Apple Card, um, that now let's play uh, customers pay off. Off, uh, their iPhone, as well as most Apple hardware and accessories, over time with no interest. Uh, you know, Goldman Sachs also recently partnered with JetBlue Vacations uh, to let customers create installment plans for for leisure travel. So this is called Marcus Pay. Uh, following on the branding of, of Marcus for their personal loans and uh, and saving online savings accounts. So Marcus Pay now is is another buy now pay later option. Currently just in partnership with JetBlue Vacations, but I think we'd certainly expect to see you know more types of partnerships added uh, as Goldman kind of continues this this surprising expansion into the consumer banking space
1: interesting goldman one to watch Tom? Yeah, that's
2: very interesting. I mean, I, I I, think here in the UK it's hard to argue with the, the sort of dominance of of Klarna. They continue to innovate and continue to grow and they really dominate the space and I think we'll see it, as we've already mentioned, become more embedded in more established um, brands and Amazon more people offering this kind of option. Um, it'll become more mainstream. But I wanted to just pick up a, a, a much smaller not necessarily going to dominate this market, but an interesting development was a company here called um, Curves. is offering over-the-top Banking product, um, and they've they've just been trialling um, a, a curve credit product, um, which actually allows you to to split payments over three months in a similar way as Klarna. but allows you to do that retrospectively, which I thought was an interesting thing. So you can actually decide up to it was fourteen days, but I read something day they've extended it to ninety days that you can retrospectively decide. To put credits, so say mm. you put something on your debit card, you bought something, and you decided actually you changed your mind and realised you didn't have enough money. You can go back and change your payment method, and then split it out over um, in, into sort of multiple instalments, three or four instalments. Um, however, many they're going to settle on the end. It's still under. Uh, So it gives you even more flexibility, effectively. So it's just pushing forward on this, like we said about innovation, it's just pushing forward this kind of flexibility, um, you know, giving consumers absolute choice over what they do, when they pay and how they pay. And I think that's really the big shift here that we're seeing from a retail perspective. It's this separating the payment, the kind of pain of that payment from the actual um, purchase point if that makes any sense um it, it's, mm. it's you can then decide when you pay for it and and, and where and how
0: yeah and i think curve also is uh, uh entering the u.s market so currently i think just in the uk but following other kind of uk challenger banks like monzo and revolute are, are are making their own presence in the u.s market so we'll we'll be watching out to see to see when that happens and what the results are
2: mm. the curve product is a perfect example of how it can work in in and in, in, in partnership with the with existing payment models because it isn't a payment system in itself, it's you always attach a card Behind the curve, it's an over the top bank. It's not a bank account. You always put a card behind it, um, so you can still earn your air miles. You can still earn whatever it, you know your your cash back on your on your credit card. Uh, but then it gives you this option over the top because it just charge it to your credit card. So it's, it's an interesting um, interesting
1: one to look at. Innovative, innovative. And I think they got caught up in that wirecard thing, but they seem to have been responding. Uh, it, did. it got
2: entirely shut down. It's it's, real, it's working again now. My my curve cards opening again now.
1: Uh, well, yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd add a couple. I, I like the look of um, Cecil, um just a you know, newer player, you know, adding, obviously, I've seen that they've been getting more funding recently. They've just uh, entered into Canada. They actually um, were raising money on the Australian stock exchange, but um, obviously a US player. So that looks they look like an interesting um, one to watch, just a newer player into the market. I was also gonna add one more, which is Paybrite in Canada. And the reason I thought that was uh, an interesting one because they've been around for quite some time, but they partnered with Klarna. Um, who I know who you were talking about Tom so they partnered with Klarna to sort of expand their reach so it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about collaboration uh, in order to you know sort of build presence and they're also building up new you know retail partnerships they just established a relationship with uh, Group Dynamite which is a fashion retailer in Canada so it's interesting to see the ones that are making moves innovating looking for new partnerships uh, especially you know in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis so you know obviously as with everything at the moment things are changing at a rapid pace we're going to be staying on top of this trend uh, Mintel Um, I want to thank my guests uh, Tom Slide and Dr. Mark Miller thank you so much Um, thank you everybody for listening Uh, if you enjoyed it don't forget to rate and review us we will catch you on the next episode of Little Conversation if you want to know more about Mintel who we are and what we do head over to Mintel.com and follow us on social media we're on LinkedIn Instagram twitter and facebook and check out our blog for even more insights from our analysts thank you